0: Are you asking bad interview questions? If you want the best talent to join your team, then you need to ask the right questions. Interview skills are essential for entrepreneurs, executives, and business owners like you to curate the best team. Recruitment is one of the most important investments your company can make, and in this episode, we'll give you the interview techniques and game-changing job interview questions. On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about how to ask better interview questions. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my spouse, Jeremy Aspen, and we're going to dig into it. Okay, Jeremy, we're going to talk about how to ask better interview questions. And interviews are just always so hard because you're really interviewing someone's representative. Have you heard that? No. Instead of them. Yeah. Because... Yeah, uh... that
1: that makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) because they're there to lawyer on their best person's behalf.
0: Uh, Of course, of course. And the other tricky thing about interviews is there are certain personality types that always do badly in interviews and certain personality types that always do well despite the fact that they're not going to be that good at working when they...
1: You mean like the uh, culture index sort of? The
0: culture index demonstrates that pretty well. There are certain, yeah. I'm not gonna say which personalities do really well in interviews, but we actually started doing personality tests because there were certain personalities oh, yeah. that interviewed so well and then they'd get into the role and they wouldn't do anything. And so we get those out of our interview process at Antiquim before they even get into the pool. But um, there are some really important questions I've done a lot of research on this there are two different um, schools of thought there's the book who which has one school of thought of interviewing and then there's Adam Grant who is kind of my nerd crush because we have the same birthday we're both from Detroit he went to Michigan I mean Jeremy don't die because I might
1: be going okay all right <laughs> look him up
0: I'm just kidding but anyway um so they have different, ideas of how best to interview so we're going to just talk about kind of both philosophies in the show but what i like to do when i um in interviewing for roles is to kind of have some screening questions and lucky for you if you use antiquam we're kind of using these for you but um, if you're interviewing someone in the states or something screening questions save you so much time you just do these over the phone you can have someone else do them but basically just trying to make sure that you're looking for the right person so like what are your career goals is a good one
1: yeah that's one that I use a lot
0: what are you good at professionally what are you not good at or not interested in professionally and this is the money one Jeremy this is the buddy one what? who were your last five bosses tell me how they would rate your perfor- performance on a scale from one to 10 when we talk to them. So this is called the fear of reference check. And you will be amazed at how many people tell Become honest.
1: Sense. Yeah,
0: And then you don't have to interview them because they gave themselves a six. And look, you're only looking for the A players. Well,
1: or, well, mostly you want to look for A players, but there's some positions you don't necessarily need to have A players. But
0: why would you not <laughs> want an A player? I, I mean, so an A player is considered a candidate who has at least 90% chance of achieving a set of outcomes that only the top 10% of possible candidates could achieve. Mm. And so whenever we're interviewing, we're not playing small. They're, no, We're trying to get for, get that, that amazing person in the seat because then they can grow with the business.
1: But there's some business models, which I actually, frankly, I don't understand, but like call centers... Uh, um, and there's some down, big, really big ones down in Mexico, and it looks like their model is just put someone in a seat for about four and a half months, burn them out, and put someone else in the seat. I that know, sucks. That's the worst.
0: But I don't think that the quality, so when people have that business yeah. model, um, the quality for the for the client or whoever's receiving those calls is so bad. And that's why call centers have a horrible reputation. And s- Instead, and what we saw at Wistar Group with our apprentice program and maintenance, and what we've seen at our call center is when you get someone on board, you tell them, hey, this isn't a job, this is a career. And you show them the trajectory where, okay, you're gonna start taking midnight calls at an emergency maintenance call center, and no, that's not super fun. But if you do that job well, then maybe you can be a supervisor. Maybe you can run a project. Maybe you can, um, you know, help us out in this business unit. And here's your job trajectory. And then you get high quality people in those lower ranking positions, and then they work their way up. They understand what it's like, so they're great managers. They're very empathetic towards other people of the business. They're not snobby. They're it, it creates an amazing culture. So. So I really like this, trying to go for a candidate who has at least 90% chance of achieving a set of outcomes that only the top 10% of possible candidates could achieve. Having that as a goal is transformative in and of itself when you're looking at candidates. And you
1: can also pay them more and it ends up being less expensive. I've told this before, at least in another podcast, but um, I was in Kansas City, and there was a guy that had come to me and he was asking for double the market for it to, as an export agent, Brian, and uh, and he gave me a very good reason. He said, I'll do three times the work and I'll charge you double. And I learned so much from just that formula Yeah. because if you're working with an A player, you end up being able to pay people more money, so you're working with higher caliber individuals and you're saving money. Totally. By, it's so it's kind of like the opposite of uh, when you go shopping and your wife comes home and says, I saved 50%. I, I, I,
0: I don't like this conversation. Like, uh, okay, going back to uh, interview questions. So are you a proponent of asking the same questions to every single person?
1: For uh, I'm not, I don't like interviewing, so I'm not really a proponent of anything. You just have to end up doing it. Um, i kind of i kind of go with the flow i mean there's some basics i think you have to get out of the way but um usually i'm looking for something more in the way of a partner like someone that long term and i can deal with some inefficiencies but i like i like the trust trust for me is the big one so you shoot with
0: the hip? i don't
1: know I if hit. i shoot at but i'm a little flexible on so on the, rigidity. the
0: research shows, folks, that if you ask the same questions to everybody, you'll have a better outcome um, if you stick to the script and you then also uh, you can measure their answers on. This is the best practice. You have your set of questions and you're they're set because you want to get a certain things answered uh, about the. Role So you want to make sure that the person's no drama. You want to make sure that they are hard workers, whatever. So you design the questions in a way that help you get to those answers. And then you ask the same questions. You rank the answers on each one. And if you use a science experiment method, you're more likely to get the right outcome. It's not as fun for the interviewer. Come on, we all wanna shoot with, Is it shoot with the hip? No. Shoot by the hip?
1: No, shoot shoot (laughs) from. Shoot shoot from. Just think of shooting from the hip (laughs) as opposed to shooting by the hip or on the hip or onto your hip.
0: whatever. Okay, so that's what the research shows. Um, okay, I think most people are comfortable with asking questions regarding the role, but the the big problem that people have is those intangibles and in getting at is this person a hard worker? Can they solve problems independently? Are they going to take feedback well? Are they trainable? What other the
1: gene, the responsibility gene, the
0: responsibility gene? How do you determine this in an inter- in an interview? So I have a few options. So let's just start at the top. If someone is a a good problem solver, um, if you give them a general task, can you figure out the st- steps to make it better is basically what you're looking at. I think a good question for this is asking them, if you were charged with creating a training system for your last job, what steps would you take to create the training system? So they know their last job, like the back of their hand, mm-hmm. or they should. And so just see if they're like deer in headlights, if, they or if can they're reverse like, engineer. oh, I got this. Um, you know, I need to create a plan. I have to decide on a platform and then I have to outline the courses and then I have to create tests for each course and then I have to create content for each course. And then I mean, if they can come up with some solutions and you can see how their brain works, you can determine whether they're going to be a good problem solver. And then they can do that right on on cue in the interview. So I think Reverse that's a good engineering
1: one. the last position. That is that's a great one.
0: So that can help with problem solving. The big one is drama. Oh my gosh, how much, how much does drama cost a business?
1: Fuck them. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's how Jeremy. I
1: just that drama thing drives me nuts. And the
0: problem with drama once they're in your organization is it's kind of hard to tease out because the people who are good at drama get everybody involved and you're like, who's the cause of the drama? Well,
1: And it's, I mean, it's why we watch those, uh, those real, what are those real TV shows? The the reality, the reality TV? TV shows. And I'm not, obviously not much of a, a watcher, but you know, drama is, being social beings, one of the things we're essentially born with is an ability to dramatize things and to um, uh, sensationalize things. So, I mean, and, and you have to sensationalize things to dramatize things to be able to kind of make a larger point. But sometimes those larger points, when they're presented as drama, are devastating to an organization. Totally. I mean, the whole organization or certainly their little sphere of influence.
0: So, I uh, was thinking a question would be uh, Do you like reality TV? And if the answer is yes, I want. But it's not true uh, because I have some employees who love reality TV and they are not drama because they don't bring anything about their personal life into the office at all. And they don't drum up drama. So that isn't... Liking reality TV is not... Uh, Yeah,
1: I'd be surprised if there were any real connection there, but... An uh, interesting thought experiment anyway. But what, what do you do to check to see if they're a pro drama? Do you like start gossiping? Hey, did you know that such well, and Well, here's what I was and thinking. And if they run with it?
0: Here's what I think. I think you say, tell me about the last time you were in the office and drama. Like what, what was the drama at your last office but do people and gossip- how did you react to it?
1: Okay, but do people understand that they're in the middle of drama, or do they think that they're in the middle of making their life better when it comes to work? Because we've had scenarios where, you know, we gave we gave three thousand dollars to three employees each, so nine thousand dollars. We literally gave it to them, um, but they were kind of that gossipy type. And first, somehow they converted that into um, us making money on them. Wait, and
0: we didn't give people three thousand. Yeah,
1: we did. To compensate for benefits when we were switching over to oh, the program, oh okay,
0: because they didn't want the benefits.
1: They wanted the benefits. We had to give it. to, Long story, but okay. yeah. So we gave them each three thousand dollars in the form of some benefits. And okay, cash in the and form of stuff. benefits. Okay. Yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so they literally caused enough drama that we had to fire them because they thought that we were making money on giving them money. It's kind of like those people. That they come to me and they say, "Hey, do you know anybody that's looking for a bad investment so they can write it off?" What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) No, I know nobody that's (laughs) looking to make a bad investment to write it off. To write it off. That's just
0: okay. So, but I do think that if you ask people about drama in their last workplace, if they know every detail about that drama,
1: oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: If you ask, if they're like light up and they're like, ooh, let me tell you about that, then that's your sign that they're drama. If they're like, gosh, I don't know. They get know, into it. Or Woo! there was an issue and I don't know all the details and I just stay, stayed out of it. I think that those people are going to be less drama, but it's hard to tease out.
1: They're also going to be the ones that succeed long term because a lot of times that This is probably a little controversial, I suppose, but a lot of times that sort of that gossiping thing, what it ends up doing is creating uh, uh, an informal unionized shop because they're all kind of operating um, as a larger group but what they disallow is for certain individuals to become better at their job. So it becomes more of a crabs in the bucket sort of
0: an environment. So as soon as you see drama, you got to get rid of it.
1: As soon as you see drama. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you have to. How, I think oftentimes to the point of the interview, it's the person, there that's are people why that are built to, for it.
0: If you can tease it out in the interview, you'll be better off. Um, okay, so feedback, asking people Making sure that people can handle feedback well is such an important quality. Mm-hmm. So I remember there was a accountant that we used to hire, and she was so bad at receiving feedback. To remember it, that person, no. And uh, what's
1: her name? His I'm not name. gonna say. I'm, kidding. Right. I'm
0: not gonna say. But um, if someone can't take feedback, they're not going to get better. They're not going to grow in your organization, and it sucks the life out of it because then you end up not saying things and it's just it's it's bad for the business so tell me about a time when you got feedback and how you handled it i mean
1: kpis are also a nice hedge against that
0: well so the kpis is how i determine if they're hard worker so you're like what were your key metrics how did you meet them and i mean that would be another question for the reference check is yeah. if they say that they had certain metrics that they met, see if it's true in the reference check. But hard workers know their numbers. People who talk more, like especially in a sales job, talk more about the environment or like loosey goosey things, those are not your high performers. High performers that top 10% of workers, they know their metrics because they want to win. And so those are the people that you wanna hire. So I think asking about metrics and how how you ranked and really digging into those and how they respond is huge for determining if they're a hard worker. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, and I'll bet you that those top performers, they must make at least 50% more than their counterparts, maybe even double. I mean, they'd be worth every penny of double in a lot of instances, right?
0: Yes, I mean that—that's who you want on your team. Yeah, but they'll know their metrics, and if if you're talking to someone who doesn't really know, or they give like round numbers, not detail oriented, that's your red flag. Okay. Or
1: they don't remember what they were being measured on. Oh.
0: Well, that's anything that's... like that—that's not your top. Like if you're if you're set on that A player and accepting nothing less, they'll know. Okay, so then the next question that you wanna answer is are they trainable? So, I mean, asking what their learning style is. I I wanna know your opinion on this. I am biased towards people who take notes. Are you?
1: Like physically taking notes? Yes,
0: like if you're taking notes during the training, you're probably gonna remember it and you have a way to like review things. I feel like people who take notes are faster learners, but that's just me. Well,
1: people that take notes, are faster learners, but not taking notes on computers. Um, typing doesn't have the same tactile effect. So um, one thing when you're writing things down, your brain registers it as a three-dimensional space and we're good at spatial stuff. So they are better at, at um, they're, they're better at learning or at least they Retaining can learn. A, yeah, for me. them. It's not to say they're better than other people. They're better at themselves without taking notes right so you're always better at if you are taking notes but whether or not they take notes I'm not sure is I mean
0: I know I've met people who just consume information and can retain it so it's not really an indication but for me if someone's like I will take a bazillion notes I'm always biased to liking them more because at least they're conscientious it shows some conscientiousness to be like I'm going to learn this
1: I yeah I don't know what a good filter because I know that intelligence would have something to do with that people that can learn um, you know there's a there's a there's a difference between a willingness to learn and an ability to learn but I would take willingness to learn over ability to learn because then you can at least input a lot more energy and have some results as opposed to somebody who's a good learner but they're not bringing it to work uh, so I guess yeah I. I I think that's probably a fair, a true statement.
0: So just asking what your learning style is, I ask, do you take notes? And what are your expectations for training? So training is one of those things when positions don't work at Anaquim. people always say, well, I wasn't trained.
1: Yeah, that's a big one.
0: Um, but making sure that the expectations-
1: Clarification. Of- Our clients are generally the ones that, that, when we assign a remote professional to an to a client, they oftentimes leave that client's uh, employment because there wasn't sufficient training.
0: Well, well, that's, yeah, that's the excuse. We have to tease out how true it is or Mm -hmm. not. But, um, But having good training is really important to having a remote work. And we really hold clients' hands on this and really wanna make sure that Everything is super clear on the onboarding. The onboarding goes well. The training goes well because we want you to be successful. But um, expectations for training are going to show you if you're a match. Um, So I think that that's a really important thing. And then another one is just to your point, you were saying earlier that you want someone that you want to hang out with, like somebody that is a good personal match for you. So I think asking questions about former bosses and what did you like about the management style, what did you not like about the management style, and then also noticing your own quirks. Like, for instance, if I have an executive assistant that's working with me, they're going to have to know that I want them to be the organizational part of myself because I'm not that organized naturally. So can they take a chaotic... (laughs) a chaotic life and put it in a bento box? Or is that process going to make them crazy? Is an important thing to tease out in an interview because that's gonna be a large part of the job. And so getting clarity on this role, like another issue that we've had is that the role hasn't been clear. And I've heard this in several cases when I've had friends leave positions, they were like, well, the role was so different than how it was um, sold to me on the front end. So not getting clarity on that role and then asking the hard questions about a role, like, hey, this role is eight hours of taking hostile phone calls. Are you gonna be able to do that?
1: For now, until we move you up to president of some other company.
0: Well, or, or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the being very clear about the job and if somebody is in for that type of job is really important. Or I it, you're gonna be interfacing with people 99% of the time, do you like people? Like, are, is that gonna be a fun job for you? So being very yeah. clear about what that is. And also if you're a very performance-driven business and it's all about the metrics, how are you gonna do performing to, to metrics every day, being held accountable? Is that gonna be a fun job for you? So whatever is kind of the vibe of your business or how the, business, the, the job is really run or yeah.
1: held account, you don't need to add a layer of marketing to the job description, because if you're in front of somebody and they're trying to make a decision on their career as to what to do, give them a real uh, picture of what their day is going to look like, because if they get there and it's not true, remember, if it's not true, they're just going to leave. because really our companies are the instruments our employees use to live the life that, they're gonna, that they want to lead. Um, I thought of something, though. One thing I've noticed in interviews is that some people uh, and I think they're lower caliber, are able to give good reasons for failure. Like they, they have a negative vibe and they always have a good reason that something didn't go the right way. Ah. And if they're successful, like two or three of those instances just during a short interview, they, we have a friend like that, that always has something negative going on and always explaining why things aren't going their way. That is a big red flag for me. Like that's a no, you can't work with me kind of.
0: Okay. So attitude. So you're looking for attitude throughout this. I mean, that is a big thing for me too. Now, okay. So we only have a few minutes left, but I want to say something about reference checks. This isn't about questions, but this is such a game changer. So I'm a big believer in actually calling the references. Some people never call references, but I'm a big fan of it. Now, keep in mind, you have to read between the lines with a reference check because that person, maybe they fired this person. Maybe this is their friend from high school and they're rooting for them to get a great job. They want this person to get a great job. And so they're going to be their best advocate, generally speaking. So keep that in mind that the person's not working in your best interest. They're really advocating on behalf of this person because it's a reference that this person gave you and so they knew that they were on the same team. So make sure you keep that in mind and take everything they say with a grain of salt. Now, um, also read between the lines if it is a former employer or maybe they begrudgingly gave you their name because it was the, the last five managers that they've had or whatever. If the person is... Like, uh, mm, they worked here and read between those lines also.
1: Here's the question everybody should uh, ask a reference or a former employer. Would you hire them again? And the reason is because in corporate America, I learned very quickly that large organizations understand that for them to give their opinion about somebody is just waiting for a lawsuit. So the way around that is if you're not getting anywhere with the uh, the references, ask them, would they hire the person again? because that is a statement of f- The answer will be a statement of fact and is not susceptible uh, to litigation. All right. I'm not a lawyer, but that's what our lawyers told us during, in, in my corporate but days. But the
0: job could be different. So so you wanna be specific about like, would you hire them for a, this particular job? Well, if, and an they employer, might say, if
1: a former employer isn't willing to have a couple of good conversations or mention some nice things, the, it's kind of code in the, I think the HR world. If you ask that question, they say no, there's a lot more to the story and you immediately reject them from the. Uh, application
0: but also they might be like if they are in a role where there's a lot of supervision and they are charged with xyz task so read between the lines if they're really narrowing the focus of where somebody is successful because if they're trying to be like in this very specific circumstance they're great maybe then that is Uh, and I've been in a lot of these calls, so I've heard this, then that's that's not your A player. Cause right, we're only looking for the A players, you guys. We're not looking for a B or C player. So we don't want someone that only fits in this little puzzle piece of the puzzle. We want someone that can grow with the organization that's gonna add value at every level. We have put the most effective questions and interview methods together for you and you can download them for free right now. The link is in the show notes. And that's a wrap. We'll see you next time on Bootstrappers.